Yeah, so. Going just in case. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is good. So, the first night that we got to, I'll show you pictures too, but I took like literally 2,000 pictures. So, like, I'm still trying to sort through which ones I need to show people. Yeah. Because it's just like, I yeah. could talk for like four hours just about mm -hmm. one picture probably. But. So, uh, the night we got, the first day that it began, the prayer burn began, we just started. It was less of us like. Can you. Since that's going now, yeah. describe the prayer burn again. Yeah, so a prayer burn, um, a burn is basically just a time dedicated to seeking the face of God in a in a way that is like <laughs> through prayer and worship, basically. Okay, yeah. And the whole point of that you need 100 is hours. To, uh, 100 hours, yeah. So when we were in Ephesus, we did 100 hours of prayer, intercession, and worship with the point being for the glory of God to come down again and that God's kingdom would be established in Ephesus like it was in the days of Paul. Yeah. Like it was in the days of the apostles. I heard it's really dark now. Is that... Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Turkey is... Um, it's very subliminal. It's hard to explain, uh, yeah. but I will explain it. But the spiritual atmosphere there is like... They're just... You know, like in Daniel where he talks about, you know, the prince of Persia, like there was a, you know, there was a principality over a region that kept the angel of the Lord from coming to Daniel when he started praying. Yeah. But the angel said, like, from the time that you started praying, I have not stopped hearing you. And yeah. basically he's like, I haven't forgotten you from the moment you started praying, but I was held off from coming and answering you because of this principality. Yeah. And that's the thing. There are spiritual principalities over the nation of Turkey, like yeah. demonic forces that have been assigned to darkness and bondage over Turkish people. And they're very specific. Like India is very specific. Yeah, I was similar. just talking to him about Madurai, the first place we went to. It just seems like that's kind of the feeling you get. It's not so much, like I didn't want to say a darkness yeah. or necessarily a heaviness. It's like, it literally just feels really twisted and warped. Yeah. Like is kind of the right way to say it, I guess. Mm. But yeah, it's it's something. Yeah, you, like you said, it's like it's like you feel it in the air or something. Yeah. It's like this presence. It's just really strange. It's it was more subliminal in Turkey too, because the context of Turkey is Islam. So like yeah. any person that you go up onto, go to up on the street, ask them like, you know, what do you believe? They would like look at you funny, basically, and be like. I mean, don't you know we're in the Middle East? Like, of course I'm a Muslim. Like, I'm in yeah. Turkey. I'm a Muslim. It's just to them, there's no difference between being a Turk and being a Muslim. Yeah. Like, but people our age and younger, high school students, people like in college, maybe for the first time ever, they're starting to, when they go to university, they're hearing a perspective outside of Islam for the first time, maybe. Yeah. So there's a lot of youth that are actually like becoming atheist or agnostic, where they oh, they aren't I see. I see. And, or they don't really believe in anything. Yeah, yeah. And they don't want to believe. But before in that, that wasn't even a, a thought. no, not yeah, really, yeah. not yeah. really. It's only huh. in like the last uh, maybe longer, That's but weird. just with people our age. That's weird the difference too, because in India, some of the things I ran into was like, like you said. There's not a, almost not a difference between their their culture and their religion. They kind of blend together. In India, it was almost like there were some people I talked to, and they couldn't even see the difference between uh, Muslim 
Hindu and Christianity. Yeah. Like, they thought they were all the same. Yeah. And I'm like, no. That's hin- not. Hinduism is, is <laughs> Hinduism very- especially is, is like that because, you know, it's the, warped, they're man. the whole, yeah, it's very twisted because their whole worldview is kind of this pluralistic idea anyway because, yeah. you know, uh, you know, Brahmin is like kind of like the ultimate God, but there really are like outside of Brahmin millions. Yeah. And Jesus is yeah. one of them. You yeah. Know? And I talked to them about that and they, they said, yeah, Jesus, like, Jesus is the son of God. And, and it's if like, they, they hear, agree with you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah they, they oh, agree with you. And they're like, oh, well I'll add him to the, the idols I worship. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's, that's what, that's what, like really what Hindus come down to is just like, oh, it's just another God. I, yeah, I can choose to appease if I want. Yeah. It's, so it really, no, no. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, back to. Yeah. Back to um, Ephesus. Uh, yeah, I wanted to go back to the, the prayer burn too. You yeah. To, was that when you first got there? You it was the that? second week that we were in okay. Turkey. Okay. So we spent our first week in Istanbul, really just getting acclimated, and then that second week, we flew to Izmir. Okay. And Izmir is synonymous with Ephesus basically okay. but the ancient city of Ephesus is called Ephus and the modern city of Ephesus is called Izmir but yeah so anyway we, we flew into Izmir and we joined all these different people from all over the world that were coming together workers from everywhere to come and pray at this burn for a hundred hours to intercede and really like I said, like the, the point of that all, like why do we intercede? Why do we, why, what is the point of us doing this? And when you're in that place and you're doing it for a hundred hours, like it's really tiring. I mean like, I bet. and you have to grapple with it. I grappled with that. I'm like, I know that I'm like obligated to you know, like being a Christian and praying is, you know, praying to God is like part of what it means to even be a Christian. But more than that, why, what, what's the impetus behind me beginning to talk to God in the first place? And really God began to unwrap my mind about his worthiness and his glory and his, and how the point, I was just listening to this from a teaching that we had in Colorado Springs. But the reason that you're sitting here, that I'm sitting here, and the whole, you know, the whole point of all creation is Habakkuk 2.14, which says, you know, and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. That is the point of all creation, is that the glory of God would be known in every nation, tribe, and people. So the point of us praying was for God to begin to plant seeds of that revival to come, the revival of minds and hearts to be turning towards Him, to see His worthiness and His glory, and in turn, change a culture yeah. and change a people group. And there would be, you know, not not asking for like this massive outpouring, but we were, but asking for God to start in a remnant of people, that there would be a, yeah. a small group of people that would say, I am carrying my cross and I'm going to go and take it to people that have never heard in Turkey. And so that's what we were praying for. I like that you tied that in, like your cross, and that you're there, and everybody you met up with that's there is is doing that. Like, yeah. Like they're, they're kind of this remnant of people 
that was put into a larger remnant, I guess. But yes. Like, but that you're already there dying, and I don't know. There's this this little connection in the scriptures that between death and glory. Yeah. And so, like, you guys all. Yeah. Dying, like, in that process of dying to yourself while praying for a hundred hours, it's like that the glory would be manifested. It's like you're sowing this death into the earth for his glory to come back up. It's like, I don't know, I just began to see that in the scriptures, like this connection between death and glory, death and glory. They kind of almost seem tied together. Yeah, I, mean, so, yeah, I think it is because Jesus, when he was about to be betrayed, yeah, you know, he said that. He's like, Glorify I, yourself. Yeah, glorify yourself in me. I'm about to be glorified. Yeah. Like, and you will be glorified through me. I know, and that's that's what's so fascinating. Like, we always like think that. about the, the glory of God and, like, all these other ways, but it's like, Jesus on the cross, that's his glory. Mm. Like, that's, yeah. I don't know, it's really powerful. That self-sacrifice, yeah. the Lamb of God, it, is the glory. And all of you guys being, like, so, how self-sacrificial you guys are to enter into that and to... Yeah, I don't know. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I, I love that because, like, that's what, I mean, I don't know. I was reading a while ago Galatians 1, and Paul says, like, I don't preach a gospel that has been given to me by man or is through man, but I preach the gospel by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing. It's like, whoa, this gospel that I'm going to the uttermost parts of this earth will not come through my speech or my experience or even my like expertise about knowing the law because he goes on to say like I was a teacher of the law I knew the law I was a Jew of all Jews and he said like I knew the law from the beginning to the end yeah I, I knew it so well but the thing is he said that well, the gospel that I'm preaching is not through that it's through the revelation that can only come through Jesus Christ yeah and so that's the thing is like it takes all the pressure off of us to figure out the best ways to evangelize or meet people where there are, all that stuff. And, 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 and it moves our focus from seeking people to seeking God because only He can give the revelation of the gospel in our hearts. Like, yeah. It's only through Jesus that we have the revelation of God. And, th I mean, that's, yeah. that's the gospel. It's like... Is taking the revelation of Jesus yeah. to everyone. And and the thing I love about the glory, like we were talking about, Jesus, he said, like, Father, is like, now is the time for you to be glorified in me. And he goes and he's crucified. Yeah. He gives himself willingly. He doesn't speak or or uh, defend himself. That. Man, and, that's been so powerful. And when you think yeah. about when you think about that in the terms of the, the Trinity, okay, I love this because when Jesus, like the, in John 17, the high priestly prayer, he said, "Father, my desire is that the ones that you have given me will be with me to see my glory." And so, like Jesus, the Son, is talking to God, the Father. So we have God, the Son, talking to God, the Father. God yeah. talking to himself and if I can think of it it's like God the Holy Spirit so Father Son and Holy Spirit all in that one moment are communing and it's like I imagine God speaking to himself saying you know just think of God in, in unity and he's saying to himself my desire my desire is that they would be with me 
and he's talking to himself. Yes, to see my glory. Yes, to bring them into wholeness. Yes, to bring them into unity. Yes, to bring them out of darkness into light. And so it's like this dialogue that God is having with himself about how in love he is with his people. And, and when you see that the reason Jesus said, like, Father, glorify yourself in me, was because the thought of God dying is like, yeah, that's like, to Muslims, that's heresy, first of yeah. all. But the thing is, like, that is glory because it's, his, it's God's intense, burning passion and furious love for his children that he would, in his own self, die. Yeah. Physically die. God would say, for the sake of the world, I will lay down my own life, the life of God. That just is a mind-bending thought that God would lay down his own life. But yeah. then he said, if I will lay it down, I can pick it up again. Yeah. He did. He picked it up again. And that's the crazy thing. It's like God's radical love is such that he would cause him, his own self to lay himself down. God, not just a man, but God yeah. to lay himself down to the point of death on a cross. But then in humility, God being so found, Jesus being found worthy to take on that pain was then given all honor and all glory like in Philippians and he was raised from the dead and now is seated at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf so we have this great high priest like it talks about in Hebrews but the beautiful thing is that this grace this love is just it's way more radical than I've ever thought of before actually yeah it's just the glory of the glory of God is that he would lay down his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a radical thought. Yeah. Um, and that's the love of God, too. And that you he's say, worthy yeah. to. There's many men that would lay down their life for not a lot of things. Yeah. But the fact that God would lay down his life, that's just totally different. Yeah. And that by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Like it, it, is in John, first John or something, in that, um, man, that's, that's been like kind of coming to me a little bit strong this year, also, is that just that fact of that through death he was able to show the extent of his love, yeah, and love like that is the full extent of love is to completely die for something completely, like, and it's and, and then the, in the just the fact of like, like it makes me want to cry almost every time I think about it it's not even that that he it it's just so fascinating to me that it's while you're yet still sinners you know that he does that yes it's and it's important it's weird because like it's important that it's that way because if it wasn't then it would almost it wouldn't be it wouldn't feel unconditional it would be yeah. love yeah yeah it you know be love and it's like, man, while I was in my absolute rebellion, why I didn't even, want, I didn't even want God, yeah. and He still died for me. It's like, man, if that doesn't put a person on their knees, I don't know. It just, that just gets to me every time I think about it, man. That's so, that's so good. I love that you brought that up, man. So are you, um, like yearning to go back? Since you, yeah, yeah, I'm planning on going back. I, I was like, like me and Natalie mentioned it, and I'm like. Because we were talking about it right before Christmas, actually, and I was like, I'm not gonna lie, Natalie, I'm pretty jealous of 
Cameron. I'm like, I want to be over there right now. Like, in the because we went to India. And yeah. I'm like, and we went for two weeks, but man, it was like once you come back. And I don't know. I've never even really felt called to missions or anything, but it's like, I don't know. It's just so fulfilling, and just that thought. Like everybody, I think every single person in the entire world, within themselves, their absolute desire is to minister to the Lord. And it's, that's what it all boils down to. Because even if you minister to other people, you're mm-hmm. ministering to the Lord. He yeah. did it to the least of them, serving, did it to me. Yeah, and it's like there's nothing satisfying. Like, you can do everything you want, even if you serve yourself. You live your life, get your riches. Like, that's so unsatisfying. And everybody inside of themselves, if they don't know that, they're going to discover it. So it's like that's, yeah, that's that's like everybody's that's the only thing that's satisfied is actually ministering to the Lord and mm. serving Him even through serving other people yeah because even the secular world does that they're trying to help and this and that like when we were in India it was you know really it didn't important. matter if we were there we were there to you know see the orphans and stuff and it's like it doesn't matter what religion you are you can believe in nothing and everybody thinks that's a good idea yep. it's like everybody agrees yeah help the poor and like the broken and yep. the children yeah the orphans and that's the, and the law fatherless. of God written on the hearts of men yeah you know it's there's an intrinsic when we would we would when, before we left for Turkey we would go out every week and we would share the gospel with people in Colorado Springs where that's, we were and um, that's yeah, yeah and so we would go on this there's this one college campus that we would go to and there was a guy that we just struck up a conversation with and uh and yeah keep talking I'll be right back is that yours I was gonna, it, just gonna grab it, it for might you be. yeah okay thanks um lost my train of thought <laughs> yeah yeah campus. it's hard when you're in that flow yeah yeah it's okay yeah. uh college campuses in Colorado yeah we were sharing our faith with people um Oh, man, thank you so much. No problem. Wow. He said it was yours, so. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> like, ooh. Talking about college campuses, sharing in Colorado Springs. Yeah, yeah. But before then, what did you say? I wanted to say something. We're talking just about, uh, yeah, how ministering oh, to the Lord, everybody, the law, like, yeah, yeah the, law the law of God, God written on the hearts of men. So this one conversation we had with this college, this student that was a college, college age, he was, he was on the campus there, and uh, we just started talking, and we just, we would just ask people what they believe, you know, and we would first start with asking like, what do you think about the state of the world today? You know, is it are men intrinsically good or intrinsically bad? Like just based on what you see, and. People would give a variety of answers, mm-hmm. but you would hear people like when we asked him, he'd we'd ask him like, "What do you think about the world today?" And he was like, "It's pretty messed up. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on." And I was like, "Yeah, warfare and you know, famine and poverty." And I was like, "Then do you think that like men, the hearts of men, are intrinsically good or intrinsically bad?" And he was like, I think for the most part we're pretty good. Um, I think we just try to be good and, you know, that's, that's all we can do, you know. But there are evil people and, like, evil exists and things like that. But we started talking about Jesus. We started talking about God. And he basically started saying that, you know, 
pretty much, you know, as as long as what you believe doesn't really, you know, cause friction with what I believe, then like it's really okay. You know, it's not an issue. Yeah. Um, and he was also saying like how Christianity is very localized, and the ideas of Christianity are like you know very regional, and so religion shows itself as like cultural expressions of like seeing God. So we're really all kind of seeing the same God, but just in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I was like, okay, well, in the Bible, God actually gave us laws from his heart to humanity about the best ways that we should live, ways that would keep us upright. And he gave them to Moses, and they're called the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And, you know, it says, you know, thou shalt not murder, honor your father and mother. And so start asking, like, have you ever lied before? You know, have you ever, you know, spoken badly of your parents or have you ever, like, you know, cheated? And of course, you know, he would say yes. Um, but then he's like, well, then how can you equate that lying is the same as murder? Like, if, if I have sinned in that terms, I've broken the law, then yeah. how, how in the world does that equal murder? Because I could steal a paperclip, but, you know, it doesn't, it's not a life, you yeah. know? But that, what I was just trying to get to, get to the point of was that regardless of culture and regardless of how you believe, if I was to, for example, take a baseball bat and bash someone's head in, how would that make you feel? Um, and he was like, well, that's wrong. And I was like, and if I was to do that in India, in a completely foreign context, would they be accepting of that? And he was like, no, probably not. And I was like, that's because God has given every man and every woman and every person that is alive on earth a conscience. And their heart has been, he's written the laws of men, whether they're outside of a culture or not, he's written it on their hearts. And we know intrinsically things that are wrong and things that are right. And that was my thrust with him, was just saying that like, I don't need to prove to you that Jesus is the way because you can prove it yourself by showing that you can know that things are wrong and things are right. Yeah. And the reason that Jesus is the way is because God gave us these laws, but we were never, ever, ever, ever able to fulfill them all. Yeah. And we never could. We never are able. Mm -hmm. So I just, and then I told him about Jesus. It's why he came, the Lamb of God. Yeah. He was the yeah. sacrifice to pay for the sins that we could never pay for. You know, it was a cycle that couldn't be broken, and Jesus broke it because yeah. he was perfect. Yeah. But yeah, we would just we'd share the gospel with people. Did you share the same way in Turkey? Like kind of the same? No, because well, it's really depended though. It really depended. The way that you would share with someone in Turkey was much different because in America. We think very logically. We think point A, point B. We look at like everything that needs to. We look at things mathematically, very much like logically, with reason. Yeah. Like the Muslim world and the Arabic world and the Turkish world, they will argue not from a place of like logic or reason, but experience or like 
you know, what they've been told. So they don't really, like, we wouldn't present the gospel in a way that we would, that it would be like, here's logically how the gospel works. We would just tell them about Jesus. Yeah. And it was, it was just a different approach, but the same goal. Um, yeah. Because they just don't, they don't think of religion in terms of, like, logical you know, right. like apolog- trying to, apologetic yeah, apologetically, yeah, no, they don't okay. think of it like that yeah. for the most part. Well, it's so cool to study that instead of just going there with like your yes. preconceived ideas yeah. or approaches. That's what I, I mean, that's the way I am. I'm, I'm very much into, I used to teach an apologetics class, I'm really into apologetics and I'm really like wired that way Yeah. and stuff, but like I would, I, if, if I'm not willing to like really put all, put that on the shelf and yield all that and then come into a concept, yes. a context like clean slate and like Lord what's your approach with this person, then I, I'd only succeed in very few contexts. Yeah. The rest would just flop, you know? Yep. It's, it, it's, it's cool you guys took that foundational work to realize, hey, in Turkey, we got to hit it from this angle, it just ain't going to work. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. That's really important. I yeah. was actually, I mentioned that recently mm-hmm. to, my, to my mom. I just said, like, it's very, very hard for me to simplify the gospel. Like, I, like, like I want to be like, hey, yeah. this is what's fascinating about it. Like, I want to mm-hmm. go into all, like, almost yeah. these apologetics or something. And I'm like, I need to... Some people, like you said, just give it to them straight, yes. simple, like, yeah. here's, here it is. I, I've seen with people, out, there's like a zoom lens and a wide angle lens, and some people are zoom lens and some people are wide angle, and so you can't zoom out more than their brain can handle or whatever, right, right, or if right. you zoom in too much, then their brain, like, kind of only half listens because you're not really filling the thought with the thought we're thinking kind of thing. Yeah. But um, Perry Stone, last sermon I talked, heard by him, was that... They did heart transplants on people, like somebody would be in a car wreck or something, and they take the heart out of a person and put it in another person, and then that other person started having these nightmares of the last few seconds of the heart yeah. of that, and then they did this other thing where uh, this person was like murdered, and then they did a heart transplant, and the other person actually was not only having dreams of it, but was able to identify the murderer, and, they, and, and, and then they used that in court to put the person in jail. Wow. And all this crazy stuff, and so they've I've heard been, that, and, and it's, it's it's kind of recent science. But they've been able to prove that your heart has a brain that has like memory and all this stuff, and and and, and Barry Stone was talking about how so many people are converted, but it's not a radical conversion. You don't see any fruit. They don't have the zeal of their salvation or anything. He said the reason why is their heads are converted, but yes. their heart is not. Yeah. And then he quotes like, you know, it's Perry Stone. He quotes like a hundred verses in the Bible about your heart being converted mm-hmm. and stuff. And so we make a decision in our hearts and then we use our brain like a muscle to try to take take that decision out. Like you, you first decide in your heart to murder and then your brain, you know, comes up with a plan to, to murder and stuff. But the heart is where the decision is. Yeah. And, and so for me as an apologist, it's like, I'll do all this apologetic stuff and I'll, I'll win the mm-hmm. ping pong with the brain, but the, 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 heart, the, issue. the, the heart isn't turned. You know, and really so having the heart stuff, and, and you're kind of, and it's kind of like with, with, with the Turkish thing, you're going to the heart. Yes. And you, you kind of skip the brain stuff. Yeah, right? because their culture is just and, totally... It, it's Eastern, it's not Western. Yeah. You know, we have a Western mindset and Western mindset is very much like, you know, reason and logic based. The mm-hmm. way that we talk about everything is like, here's the facts, here's what I deduct from those facts, and here's the conclusion that yeah. I'm making from those facts. You yeah. know, yeah. like we look at all of the information and we draw a conclusion very scientifically because, I mean, you know, the scientific method and everything that we've developed in, in our culture. But Eastern philosophy 
just doesn't care about that. Like they right. really don't care about that. Like they would, they, they care way less about like if all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, and they care care way more about like how it feels or yeah. what it, you know. They they care more about like the truth of it more than like trying to explain it all. So for instance. When we would go to Turkey and we would evangelize to people, we'd go out six days a week and we would just go out to the street. And Turkey, first off, just to give you context, is like super social. They are like mega social. So like if I was to go outside in Turkey right now, there'd probably be, in Turkey, if I was in a coffee shop, this would be like 100 people in this room. And then there'd probably be like 50 people just on the sidewalk. And they're all, they'd be there all day. like all day long they you would love it like you would love it too <laughs> yeah. people, i don't you just, know you would just go up to people yeah because like yeah. life is slower in a sense well it's it's not slower they're they're busy people but they're relationally oriented yeah so here western mindset we're time oriented so like everything we do is kind of like can i fit you in my schedule relationship wise is like can i fit you in my schedule sometime in the next week let's hang out for like two hours maybe four hours most you know like only for good friends will that happen and then our culture is like, okay, let's have our time apart. Their, their, their lives revolve around relationship. And so, like, if I was walking down the street going to the grocery store to buy some vegetables for dinner that night, but I caught my friend on the way there, the whole day just changed. And now, like, I'm spending my day with my friend. Yeah. And I might finish what I was going to do, but, like, I could be there for six hours with him. Yeah. And that happened all the time when we'd go out and share with people. Yeah. They'd be like, hey, let's go get coffee. And I ended up spending like six or seven hours with people just yeah. from meeting at one time. So That's cool. It's that, really cool. That, there's a real value to that. It's almost like, to they, me, I value that more than us. Like, I feel like mm-hmm. they have a value that we've lost or something. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, here we're so intrinsically self-motivated, mm-hmm. like detrimentally like we're very egotistical yeah not saying they aren't but their culture is such that like they just do life together with people right life is just you think about like okay what is my life it's sharing it with people yeah so they're always talking to their friends you go outside on the street it's just packed with people smoking together talking together most people are just together yeah a lot yeah yeah. so anyway we'd go out and we would share with people and we would just go up to people that'd be sitting by themselves or something and we'd be like, hey, um, I'm a tourist from, we wouldn't lie, we were, we would not say that we were workers or missionaries. Those words were like big off limits because you can get arrested for that. Um, but we would say, hey, you know, we're our, uh, I'd go out with my friend Drew. You can't we're American. say you're, you're workers? No, uh, you just, you stay away from that language. Because what does like, that mean to them? Like you're taking away work from them, sort of? Or no, no, no. We would use that word as like a code word for missionary when we okay. were there, when we talked to each other. Because to them, it's like, oh yeah, they just oh, work. Oh, so you would say your word. Like, well, not with them, oh, okay. no. But huh. just in conversation, yeah, yeah. we would say we're workers. But yeah. we would only talk to Christians like that. We wouldn't, oh, okay. we wouldn't huh. say the word missionary, evangelism, uh, yeah. the Bible, God. Really, we wouldn't say that unless we started a conversation with someone where they were open to talking about it. We wouldn't talk yeah. about it. So we'd go in pairs and we'd find somebody that was sitting by themselves or maybe a group of people. 
and we would just play the dumb tourist and we would just yeah. say like hey we're from america um we're tourists here like can you help us like find some cool things to do yeah and they are so hospitable because they're relational like they feel it's their obligation as a turk to help the foreigner yeah and so they they will stop their entire day to be like okay here's what you need to do i'm gonna call five of my friends and we're gonna get something together and here's you know and they'll they'll just like reorient their entire day to you it's like it's mind-blowing how they do that like when we were in india this guy we're walking down the street yeah and this old guy comes up and he's like hey come to my shop like do this like and then he's like i'll take you up on the roof and you can see the temple and i was just it was like getting late at night and so david and Natalie were with me and they were like i don't know how i feel about it i just started following the guy i was like let's see where this goes that's exactly what it was. He just took us up there. He saw our cameras. Thought we could get some good pictures of the temple yeah, and the genuine, city and stuff. They're just genuinely yeah. good, nice. And people. I was like, like and, the, and then we leave, and I'm like, he. There was no ulterior motive. Yeah. Like it was just right, really yeah. weird yeah. compared to here. It's really <laughs> right. strange. Yes. And you feel like, is he gonna take us and murder us? In a shop? Like what's going on? I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love yeah. that, man. See, like me, like when I think about travel and stuff, like I'm not always going to give you know like i i want to travel to receive in a sense and that's kind of like what you're talking about like i want to go into foreign countries and and you know always always be ready with the gospel but at the same time realize man this part of their culture is so much better yeah. than the parallel of that in our culture yep. you yeah. know in this part like they sit down and eat a meal for two hours we sit down and eat a meal for for, for 20 minutes yes that's better you know and really like kind of i, I think yeah. there's a uh, as Americans, there's a lot for us to receive from our yeah. cultures. Yeah, yeah. And if we go with the mindset of receiving, yes. and then we like, it's like we, we I think the Lord, if, if we're patient about it, we'll open up a door to plant a seed of the gospel deeper. If we're doing exactly what you're doing, yes. if we're in like a receptive mode. Yes. Like there's, there's people who go to Asian countries and they teach everybody how to sing Amazing Grace when they don't even speak English. And so you have a, a room full of Chinese yeah. people singing Amazing Grace in English because they're trying to bring an American gospel yeah. there and they're not. Like, yeah. American yeah. culture isn't the gospel at all. No, you know, yeah, The gospel yeah. is just itty-bitty. It's like a seed. And so if we can, like, I don't yeah. know. But there's, yeah, there's so many like, things I want to receive it's from other cultures, it's like, you know? It's like the Eastern world needs, like, our gospel. But then we need their culture. Like, yeah. it's kind of like the swap, yeah. sort of, or something. In Acts, and that's a good mindset to go with. To go to the Eastern yeah. world to actually receive their culture. And at the same time, spread the gospel, not our culture, but That's the gospel. Right. Yes. And yeah. in, in Acts, like our onboarding to the field is training about that. And it was literally what we call it is being a cultural learner. And that, not... That's it. That's the word. Totally It's it. not being a... Not... Uh, <laughs> we had this... The last class that we took was like the 10 best ways to ruin your team. <laughs> and one was like feeling superior about your culture than the culture that you're in. Yeah. Like, if you feel like you are a superior culture than the one that you're in, you will never have grace yeah. or humility to actually yeah. share with someone the gospel. And the thing is, like, there are one missionary that I've met. He's been a missionary in Central America for years. And he, the way he says it is, what can I learn about this culture that is redeemable with the gospel? What parts of this culture are redeemable with the gospel? You know, yeah. Yeah. things about, like, hospitality um their love for their neighbor um kindness generosity um self-sacrifice those yeah. are like 
admirable qualities yeah. in the culture that you shouldn't demean. But there are other things in every single culture on earth that are non-redeemable by the gospel that have to be addressed when you're discipling people, like lying. A lot of cultures, it is culturally acceptable to lie to your best, like in South America, where he was, I think Nicaragua. No, Guatemala maybe. He said, there it's totally culturally acceptable if your friend asks you for advice to lie to him so that he learns the lesson the hard way. It's totally cultural there. Hmm. Like, yeah. so if your friend says like, hey, you know, here's the options, like what should I do? If you know what the right thing your friend should do, yeah. it's okay for you to lie to him so that he falls on his face and learns it himself. Yeah. But lying is not redeemable. No, I don't right. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to you have to at the same time that you're redeeming the culture, you have to promote the things that have been redeemed. Mm-hmm. The, you know? But what is redeemable out of that is the the humility. Mm-hmm. That you that's the only thing I think I could see out of that. The lying, no, but when you actually stumble, you find yourself broken and humble and like I don't know. Yeah. So that, being a cultural learner is what that is all about. Yeah. If I walk into a culture and say like, you know, I'm if I subliminally or subconsciously think that like what I have to offer you is better. Yeah. You know, like my culture, my style, the way that I do things, and I start to demean that your culture is actually inferior. Like, you'll never be able to share with someone because you'll always be judging them in your heart. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's weird. Like, even in the Western world, it seems like it's, there's this little bit of a shift towards that, though. Where yes. Like, millennial generation almost, and I could be wrong, but it seems like no, you're right. they value, like, they, everybody talks about them having this entitlement thing and they don't really value what they work for. But it's like there's almost this goodness to that because they don't value the, it's like they they don't see the value of money as much as other people do or something. Yeah. It's weird. Um like you do see, I guess there are some there's, people that yeah. There's like a death to, to, to the American dream. The, 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 the American dream didn't change for 40 years, but now it's changed. Where it's no longer about yeah. like a, a house, a car, a mortgage, and a nine to five job. You know, yeah, like, like and a family and a yeah. dog. And a yeah, white it's weird to kind of watch that shift a little bit too. And I don't know that it's like it's completely pure in that sense. Like I think it, there needs some correction still. But like it, you can see this almost like movement towards that where people are starting to realize none of this stuff satisfies mm-hmm. and it's like um i don't know just that thought too like i was uh i don't know why it was like i think it was probably uh i think it was like right before last thanksgiving last year i was like just it just came i was on like some fast and i don't even know why it just like came up in my head it was just kind of like i like, kind of like about what 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 your message would be or something like i don't know and then as soon as i did it i don't even think i was reading in my bible but it was like what should like that verse just popped in my head kind of in that context i don't know that i even asked that question but just like what would i preach and it was that what shall i cry basically all flesh is grass mm. and every man and it's that concept of vanity of yeah. vanities yeah all of that everything here is so fleeting and it seems like people are kind of shifting or subconsciously i don't know that they're aware of it but kind of subconsciously waking up to that fact yes. and you, and like people younger seem more kind of 
leaning towards that, yes. like the culture over there in a sense, like more yes. community based and stuff like that. Well, even even how the youth, like I was talking about, they're going to the university maybe for the first time in their lives and they're hearing a perspective outside of Islam. Yeah, about so what is, the, you're talking about the university over there. Yeah. What's the university, is that like something you guys, like what is the university there? Well, like, there's... Just a school? Yeah, it's, it's college. Okay, yeah. You know, college, okay. We, they just, they don't call it college, they just call it okay, uni- yeah. university, you know. So there's lots. I, I don't even know this percentage, but I would venture to say that maybe 40% of the population is under the age of 30 in Istanbul wow. specifically. There's like a large percentage of youth and people that are in degrees of some varying kind or out of high school. Um, tons of people and so there's lots of universities over there like people that are graduating high school and going to the university for the first time and so you're starting to see people like we met a young man one time we were sharing with and we asked him what he believed and he was like well I mean I don't really believe in anything but I grew up in Islam you know I, I grew up as a Muslim but I don't believe that anymore um, and it's because there's starting to be this shift like you're talking about of this like I'm not satisfied yeah like this does not satisfy me and so there is a lot of youth when they start to unpack Islam they start to see like this is just not yeah I don't want this mm-hmm. not everybody but it's happening it's happening there's youth that are they this is the wild thing too okay there are youth that are falling away from islam and the only other thing that they can say that they would try to believe in is just saying like i don't believe in anything they don't even have a chance to believe in jesus because it's not even there wow like that's the thing They, they there's not even a context for christianity except for like the traditional orthodox church but even there like they have a context for what that even looks like too so they i i guess to just sum up this point like jesus when he came and and matthew 9 he said and, and it says like and looking on the crowds he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd yeah and so going as he like, went yeah, that, that's that's exactly what it is. There are these, and Jesus talks about it in John too. He says, "There are sheep of another fold, which I must get." And when the shepherd, when they hear their shepherd's voice, they will respond. Yeah. And so, that, what is he talking about? He's talking about sheep of another fold, which means that Islam is a shepherd. Yeah. And they are. It's a Islam is a shepherd, and their fold are billions of people in the Islamic world and they're following the voice of Islam blindly and under persecution and hope without hope. Yeah. And Jesus promised that when they hear their shepherd, the true shepherd's voice, they will hear him and they will turn. And so Jesus said, I must go and get the sheep of another fold. And so that is like 
that's what I think of when I think of missions in Turkey, when I think of missions in the Middle East, is Jesus going after the sheep that have been lost and are under the control of another shepherd. That's really cool. And um, and that other shepherd in the Muslim world is Islam. Question I have regarding that though, then if you, because you said when they hear his voice, they'll come, but how, and like we just kind of talked about, you're ministering personally one-on-one, waiting for the right opportunity to actually share his voice. But how, like, how do you, if you have all these sheep, all these hungry people, like all these people are hungry for something because they're not satisfied. Yeah. How do you actually present his voice if you're not allowed, in a sense? Like, well, you the, you have to be very careful about how you present. Yeah. But it's possible. Yeah. It's just um. So, there the problem is access. Um, first off, in this region of the world, from. Morocco and northern Northern Africa to Japan, that region of the world is called the 1040 window. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. The 1040 window is this latitude and longitude rectangular area where 90% of the world's unreached and they've never heard of the gospel before live. 90%. And where is that again? That's it's like from I'll show you on a map. Yeah. Uh, it's called 1040 because 10% it's it's 40% of the world's population and it's only 10% Christian. Well, okay. it, it actually is like latitude and longitude too. So 10 degrees north to 40 oh, degrees wow. north. I, I, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. So it's the same stat mm-hmm. as it is the latitude longitude? I don't know if it's the same stat. Like the, the most recent statistics that I've heard. Um, let me let me pull up a map for you. Yeah, because really I, I always thought it was called 1040 because it's 40% of the population and, and only 10% Christian. Uh, that, that'd be prob- crazy. It's probably it's probably It's actually probably less than ten percent. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good point. Here, let me let me show you real um, quick. Ten forty window. Yeah, yeah. I never knew that it was actually like ten and forty. Yes. That's so cool. it's it refers to the latitude lines. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, see it. So yeah. like this area of the world. This kind of like rectangular area is called the 1040 window. So within that blue area right there, yeah. 90% of the world's unreached people live. 90%. Wow. But among the 90%, less than, let's see. So yeah, here it is. So 90% of the world's people live here. That's roughly 3 billion people. And among 3 billion people, there's less than 3% of all missionaries on earth are sent there. That's weird. Where do all the other missionaries go? To places other than here. So what? So 1040 is that? Yeah, so like, yeah. So this this little region right here is called it's the a 10, big. It's a big region. It's yeah. a big region. Yeah. So 3 billion people have never heard of Jesus yeah, in this region. Yeah, almost all the Indians in there. Yep. Uh, well, yeah, it's it's a rough estimate, but really, yeah. it's like you know, yeah. huh. it, it it it's less than you know. This square is kind of confining. It's it's just generally this whole area of northern Africa, Asia, the Middle East, Central Asia, Southeast Asia. And isn't Israel in there too? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so weird. I and mean, so, yeah. are you? Are you on a I'm okay. All right. Thanks, man. So. 3 billion, over 3 billion people live in this region, yet less than 3% of all missionaries that are sent into the world are sent to this region. Yeah. 
so the problem is lack of access. These people, they're hungry for yeah. the gospel. They're sheep being led by a shepherd that is deceiving them. Yeah. Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Confucianism, Taoism, uh, ancestor worship, all over the world. It just happens like this. Atheism, agnosticism, socialism, and Marxism. All these different belief systems are encapsulated in this small little region and defining people's lives for them. But they've, like it says in Romans, Paul says, but they are dying without hope. And so what does Paul say is the answer? He says, and how, how can they hear unless one has been sent to them? And how can I be sent unless I'm, unless I'm, I mean, I, how does it go? You know, yeah. how, how can they hear unless one goes? And how can he go unless he's sent? Yeah. How can they hear without a preacher? How can they yeah, hear no. without the word? Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so that's the other thing is like, how do you preach the gospel in these regions? Because the harvest literally is so plentiful, but the workers literally are so few. In Turkey, there's 84 million people population. And among 84 million people, it's... 0.2% are Christian. That's like 15,000 people in wow. among 84 million. Wow. So the problem is that no one's standing in line waiting to go to Saudi Arabia to give their lives. And so my prayer is that there would be, like Paul prayed, the spirit of wisdom and revelation would open the hearts and the eyes of your hearts to see and behold the glory of Jesus Christ. That, that was Paul's prayer, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so I'm praying that God would give revelation to people in the United States with access, with ample ability. And money here goes 10 to 20 times further there yeah. to send people to go where there is no representation of God's glory and they're dying without hope in this world. Yeah. So the way that we share the gospel is relationally and sometimes it takes literally months, sometimes years before people can actually utter the word Jesus to them. But it doesn't mean that discipleship waits until that moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. As soon as we started meeting people on the streets, discipleship was happening, whether they knew it or not. Yeah. Now, all of our speech, whether we could say his name or not, was, and all of our actions and everything that we talked about with them was all pointed to the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we would ask people all the time before we would leave them, like, hey, I'd love to catch up with you again. But before we leave, can I just bless you in the name of Jesus? Yeah. And they would be so receptive. Yeah. They would say yes. I think, and I, I mean, I could be totally wrong here. I don't know if that's, um, I mean, I would hate to get anybody martyred or something. But, like, I feel like people are more receptive of that than we give them credit for. Because yes. before I went to India... I was told the same thing. Don't, like, you don't say you're a missionary. You don't, like, you don't mention it. And I didn't care. Every single person I talked to, like, I mean, I said what we were there for. I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm yeah. here. We're here to help these orphans. We're here to do this. And I talked to them about Jesus if I could. Like, yeah. I, like, and nobody was, like, got angry. I mean, like I said, sure, stuff was really twisted. Like, the one guy was like, oh, yeah, Christianity, Hindu, it's all the same thing. It's all one. He said it was one happy marriage. The three yes. Muslim, Hindu. 
it was all three in a happy marriage. And Muslims I was like, told me that too. And I was like, no. And then he kind of got upset, and I was like, it doesn't work that way. I'm yeah. sorry. And he like, he got all like, got his sad or something. But like, yeah. But they weren't like, they weren't angry. Like they no. didn't lash out and try to like kill you. But I do know that can happen. Like, and yes. I've heard oh, yeah. that that can happen. It does. So it, it does today. I mean, but I feel like mo- the majority of people are more. They don't just shut down. They don't. They don't go into that state of like, oh, no. you said Jesus, I'm gonna murder you. Like, I don't think it's. No, they're they they're actually, they're so receptive. And the thing is, like, we were asked many times, like, after we'd start talking with them a while, they'd be like, hey, you sound a lot like a missionary. We yeah. were asked that. They would be like. Are you a missionary? And our go-to response was, "What's a missionary?" Yeah. And they would often say, and this was what was really telling. They would say, "Like, well, you're like, you work with the government, and some people would think you're a spy, like CIA." That's weird. That's some interesting. Pe- it's like very, that. it's cultural too, because yeah. America has not had the best. Uh, <laughs> You know, <laughs> reputation in the Middle East. So, like, they have every reason to believe that we're spies yeah. for Americans and we're in Turkey. But we've you, America alone has usurped like over seventy different nations, governments in the last hundred years. Wow! Like, yeah. So anyway, so they would think we're spies, um, or they would say like, "Oh, you're you're an evangelist who like propagates the gospel of Jesus with pamphlets." And you proselytize. Yeah. Those were the words that they would use. Yeah. Uh, and we'd be like, "Well, that's um, really that is a really really good point. Like, I need to remember that that their definition of missionary yes. is completely different, totally different than what would go over there. Yeah. So, so to ask that question, well, yeah. what do you mean by missionary? And, and then we'd answer. We'd be like, "Well, um, no, I mean, I don't call myself any of those things. In fact, I'm just a I'm just a normal dude." And I love Jesus, and I just love to tell people about him. And yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't consider myself a missionary. I just love Jesus. And yeah, it's like you they're know. open to Jesus. Exactly. But they're, but they're, exactly. but they're close to missionaries. Uh, yes. Yeah. I think that they look at missionary the same way we look at somebody trying to do like a multi-level marketing scheme kind of thing. Yes. Where like your friend comes like, hey, I want to sit and talk and pretend like I'm your friend, but really I want you to sign up in this thing where you make money that makes me more money and, yeah, exactly. and you're going to pay a lot of money exactly. to start doing so and, yeah. and I'm going to walk out of here with a check and all that. And they and they feel like there's this whole like ulterior kind of set of yep. motives and stuff. Yeah. Especially as American. Because yes. a, a lot of American culture re- re- revolves around the, those type of ulterior motives. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like yeah. I said, about the guy. That's, yeah, I'm that's, thinking, that's the thing. When, when we would go up to them, that's why it would take so long like they're very relational but who they choose as their friends they're extremely like they're extremely relational but they only open up to people that they trust is the best way to say it yeah so like gaining trust takes a long time here it takes even longer there yeah like people here like they will only open up with you a certain extent before like there's kind of a, a boundary of like I don't know you that well. Yeah. You know, same thing is there, except even further. Yeah. They, they're they huh. very aware of, like, they only share their deep, deep thoughts with maybe, like, you know, maybe five people in their life, but probably less. Yeah. If they have anyone at all. Yeah. Um, so, 
preaching the gospel there and sharing the gospel, discipling people, it just looks way different. Yeah, yeah. Way different. That's very good to like to bring that concept to people that yeah over here. Well, I mean, obviously everybody knows that there are two. Let me say other side of the world. Obviously, it's mm-hmm. different, but the. Like like here, like you said, Mike. It's Mike. It's more like almost apologetics, sort of, because we, mm-hmm. and like you said, we think mathematically and reason. But over there, it's not. You, and even if know. we do think that way here, I would say the core desire of people here is to feel belonging and to feel friendship. And I think that is honest or mentorship. Yeah. And I think that's rare, honestly, in our culture, mm-hmm. because we are so logically minded and time oriented that it feels like if i don't fit your schedule then we can't be friends yeah you know it it, it feels like like sometimes discipleship in churches is very like yeah you know if you can't make our meetings then like you know but that's so i would just say even here people have a desire Mm -hmm. for relationship there it's very like just a part of their culture to right, desire. It's, there. it's part of their culture to be in relationship with people. Mm-hmm. Here, it's not, honestly. Yeah. But I think it's still a core desire. Mm-hmm. It's to be understood, to be heard, and to be in a place that you feel safe doing that. Yeah. And so that's what we tried to do is just build relationships with people everywhere that we went. Um, that's really cool, man. And, that's uh, like, yeah. And that's so important. Like the one, it's just, I mean, it, I'm really hoping to get to meet this guy when we go back to... That's, like, one of probably my strongest desires whenever we go back to India. So we're going back in April. But um, awesome. there was this one guy we met, and we actually got invited to two weddings, but one of them we got to go to. Well, we didn't go to the wedding. We got to go to, like, the night before because we had to fly out the day of the oh. wedding. But his name's Sam Pat. But, like, just I've kept up with him, like, through just uh, WhatsApp or whatever yeah. since I've come back in. He honestly is probably might just be the nicest person I've ever met in my entire life. Like it's just like you said, they're they're different over there. Like yeah. their culture almost yeah. works something in them where they're just very, very friendly, nice people. Mm-hmm. But he's I don't know, I just love to and having that relationship with him has mm-hmm. been like just really important and I'd love to get to go back, like actually meet his wife and mm-hmm. um yeah, I think I don't know if he's had the kid yet. She got she got pregnant though. But it's, it's so interesting too because like he's as far as I know he's still not a Christian. He wasn't when I talked to him. I sat next to him on the plane, wow. and I mean I just told him like you know because I, I just pulled that while I was on the plane I just pulled out my Bible and started reading it, and so I was talking to him a little bit because he and he but um wow. I don't I don't know that he's still a Christian or not yet, but. There's been times where he just texts me and he's like, "Hey, I got this job offer coming up. Can you just pray for me?" And I'll wow. actually ask for prayer and stuff. Wow! And I'm like it's, but then to, just to show the humility in that—that that I mean, that's a mm. humility to like to to ask for prayer in a sense, mm-hmm. especially if coming from a different culture where mm-hmm. Christianity's rejected. Actually, like, mm-hmm. hey, I, you know, yeah, there's something I don't know. There's there's something there, but I just love. I love having that relationship, like you said, and then when you establish that and build it on trust, you can't really have a relationship without trust yeah. and stuff. Yep. And like you doing that over there, then there's a bond there that can't really be broken. Because when you just go and, like, like, you know, just do, I guess, just start preaching in the streets, you don't build a relationship with anybody. And so. Yeah, and you can't you, do that there. I guess you do, like, you, in that sense. Like, I don't, I don't want to throw that 
out and say that's never oh, ever no. good because I think that does kind of at least kick open some doors maybe but oh, for, for, sure. ed, for other people to come in and then build relationships but you're not necessarily doing that yourself it's contextual too i mean that like street preaching things like that we did that when we were in like when we were in colorado yeah you know we we learned different modes of evangelism that's really know, cool different ways and every week we would practice it different ways to evangelize like apologetically we learned like the three l's i don't know if you're familiar with that with c.s lewis you know when Jesus said in John 14 that, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except for me, basically you have three options that you can walk away from that statement believing. You either believe that he's a lunatic, that Jesus, when he said that, that he was, like, out of his mind. Um, um, let's see, three L's. The lunatic. Oh, yeah, so, no, the first one is liar. So, okay. Jesus saying that he is the only way to come to God. You can't just walk away from that without believing something about Jesus. You either walk away with that saying that, okay, he's lying and he's not the way to God, but he was trying to convince people that he was for his own benefit or all those different things. So you either believe he's a liar, you believe that he was crazy, he was a lunatic. Um, and so what he was saying, he was actually just mentally unstable. And so he wasn't trying to hurt people, but he just believed that he was God because he was crazy. Yeah. Um, or... The third option is that he actually is what he said that he was, and he was Lord. Like, when you boil it all down, you can only walk away with those three options Yeah. for what he yeah. said. Yeah, yeah. Because Jesus left no room for, like, nominal belief. Like, he, the, what he said, you had to question. Like, yeah. and you can either say that he was lying, he was crazy, or he actually is Lord. What's really frustrating to me about that, sorry to go back to this, like, yeah. I want to talk more about Turkey and stuff, but in India, like, we kind of already mentioned, and there was a guy who was talking about that, and that's when I figured out their option when you talk to him is they say he's Lord. But, like you said, he's he's one of the gods. Like, I was talking about and he said, yeah, and I'm like, well, Jesus is the son of God. Yeah, he's the son of God. God... He's like a part of God yeah. that God sent back down to earth to restore balance, mm -hmm. basically. And so they acknowledge he's God. They acknowledge he's the son of God. It's like they acknowledge him as being Lord, basically. Like It's like they'll agree with you on this. And that's what I mean when it's so twisted. I'm like, you're agreeing with me, at but you're point, not getting it. They're receiving it as, as, a, as a polytheistic instead yeah. of a, a monotheistic. Yeah. And, and also I would bring up then... That Jesus didn't just leave us with those things, but he also said, and there are no other gods before me. Yeah. You know, that there are, you know, he, he made it extremely clear yeah. that he was not a god among other gods, but he was the only god. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to grapple with that. That yeah. there's, to believe in him as Lord yeah. is to also say that all of these other deities are actually false. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you you can't yeah. just you can't believe him as Lord and also accept that he is one among others. Yeah. Because in him saying believing that he is Lord, you are intrinsically saying that he's the only one worthy to sit on the throne in yeah. heaven. Yeah, yeah. And God has ordained him, only him. Like so, God Himself is the only true and living God. Yeah. All the other ones are false. Yeah. So Jesus Himself didn't leave any wiggle room for belief to just be nominal about who he was basically so when yeah. we would share that with people you know we would ask them and like 
what do you believe? Yeah. Because you can't just walk away from that saying, like, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus. I mean, Jesus said some pretty straight up, like, yeah. you know, direct he's, things about who he's he was. He's very offensive. Yes. <laughs> he really... Yeah, I was going to say, he, yeah. he, he's, he, he said some things that really offended people. Yeah. Especially the people that he actually came from, the Jews. Yeah, I mean, you know? I was just thinking about the other day, like, even intellectually, like, even if you just take Jesus as a symbol, if you actually look at what he is, just as a symbol, just the, that's offensive to mankind. Like, because the fact that God would come in the flesh and die for you just declares plainly to your face that you're a sinner and you need saving. And it's like, if you have any, you have to come to a point of yeah. humility and repentance to actually accept mm. him, to say... Because if you're prideful and arrogant, and you, then you then you don't need a savior in, in a yeah. sense. And even with Hinduism, it's like a workspaces, and mm-hmm. it's karma. You come back, but it's like in that system. And as far as I know, all the other main religions kind of work that way—a work system. You don't need a savior in any of that, so, because your own works are going to save you in the end once you get it right. There's this thing you'll find in almost every religion is that the devil is a is not a creator. He and but we are we we can create God 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 can create himself but the devil's not created he's um he's he's, he's an imitator he's a um, he's he uh, he's, he's he's a perverter he'll take something yeah. and pervert it like the so, serpent twist so what happens yeah. is every foreign religion has a really deep element of truth that is seen in that in that yeah. religion yeah. you know like for instance like like. Karma, for example. Karma is a great example of, of sowing and reaping, and yeah. it's seen more strongly in and uh, whichever is it, is it Hindu or whatever that does karma yeah. is it, yeah. Yeah. Hindu. So it's, yeah. it's seen. Yeah. So in Hindu culture, you see karma really strong, and in American culture, you see church people that, that don't tip at restaurants and stuff like that. And so you see, um, and so then people see the lie of you know, like so somebody's like waiting tables sees the lie of church people don't tip and I got bills to pay, and then they see the the Hindu people believe in sowing and reaping, and they go towards that, right? But the truth is, is God is like, he's the whole pizza. He's every slice. He has all the, the truths, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, there's always there's always an element of truth in every foreign religion that makes it something great. Yeah. So I like what you're saying about how when you go into foreign cultures, you're saying, I'm here as a cultural learner. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's almost like a message that transcends like oh, yeah. a message that yes. both works in America and equally works Absolutely. in, in uh, foreign cultures. And I think a foundation of that message is I disagree with American culture. Right. And so in a sense, like you're going in there and you're like, like, man, I'm here. I'm in this foreign country because like, you know, yeah, I'm I'm American. But please don't draw. draw, draw, draw yes. about that. I'm not self-seeking I'm, I'm i'm not seeking money i'm not an impatient you know and i'm not this and that and i'm not prideful right and so yeah. and, and it's almost like you can create this kind of heart cry as you're talking to a foreigner yeah. or as you're talking yeah. to an american you create this heart cry of like i um yeah yeah you, uh, you see what i'm saying yeah. you start to it's, express truths that contradict them on american culture and, yeah. and it keeps people from from putting you in a in a box and stuff it's like yeah, yeah yeah, are you, are you, are you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm this, but I'm not that. Yeah, mm-hmm. to not to not take your culture is like extremely important. And like you said, be a cultural learner, because just that over there in the Eastern world, they follow the way of Christ 
better than we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, like they follow his lifestyle and his actions almost. That right. self-sacrifice, like doing good works, doing, like being community, like really pouring yeah. into people. Mm-hmm. And over here, we don't do and, that. And, 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 and there's a way you can like pay people like a compliment with it. Like almost like... See, because you have to disassociate yourself. Like, when you're in Turkey, you have to say, I'm a Christian, I like the Bible, I am not the Orthodox Church. I do not agree yeah. with any of this or whatever. And so it's it's almost like you could say this kind of thing of like, you know, I really like your culture because you guys are humble and you don't see that over here. Or like your culture because you're a hospital and you don't see that over here. And I like your culture because of this. because And, and, and acknowledge the truths that they've already found. Yeah. And then say, because me, I'm searching... Because I live in American culture, and so much of American culture contradicts this Jesus I met. And yeah. so it's, it's so hard for me because I'm, I'm, I'm this person yeah. living in America, yeah. and That's... I met this guy, Jesus, and everything about Jesus contradicts American culture. But then I come over here, and I meet you, and I see hospitality and I see humility mm-hmm. and I see these three truths that you already agree with and you have those truths and my culture doesn't and I deeply admire those truths and because I, those truths are more reflective yeah those 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 like yeah. three slices of the pie of this Jesus idea yeah right and then yeah. and then it's like you're both disassociating yourself from the things that would distance you yeah and you're yeah. complimenting them but you're also showing them that's a fraction like all the yeah. truths you believe are already in this Jesus. I know. I'm looking, if I remember yeah. right, when but I was I mean, on the plane with Sam Pat and was talking to him, the guy I mentioned, if I remember right, I think I actually did say that to him because I was asking him about what he believed. Because mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, because because I want to learn, like almost more so than I mean, I wouldn't say more so. Like I mean, but you kind of want to receive their culture also. But then when he was explaining all the stuff he believes and how he lived, tried to live his life and everything and how, like in like you're talking about like humility, they have all these different traits. And I'm almost positive I said this to him. I was like, because all I could think, all that went through my head was when Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And that's like, mm. and it was like, right there. But it's this weird, this weird thing like the Western church. It's like, we have this good grapple as Jesus as a sacrificial lamb. And then we don't really have him as the way. It's like we've lost that or something. Like we don't have that, the to walk out what he walked out like we've lost that but it's like oh yeah we understand oh christ died for us so everything's forgiven like whatever yeah and no, it's like so much over more. there it's like they don't have that but they have him as the way and he's a good yeah. he's a good like his lifestyle is a good lifestyle to follow whereas here like it's like we know that but we don't actually live that out or something i don't know we've lost that here to take that and bring and their lifestyle their culture that's the whole here. thing that what you're saying and what you're saying is the truth of what I believe is not founded in my culture or my experience, but it's actually founded in faith in this one man, yeah, Jesus. And this man transcends every single culture and not only transcends them, but as God redeems every yeah. single culture through him. Yeah. And him alone. So that, that takes the pressure off of me to say that, like, yeah. we were asked this all the time. Oh, you're an American? Are you a Christian? Yeah. Like, to them, American and Christian are synonymous. Like, in a lot of ways. Not everybody, but yeah. for some right. people. Yeah, because yeah, of them being this country and this religion. Yes, it's like, there. oh, yeah, of course. America is like a Christian nation. You know, Christians are there all the time. They yeah. would ask us that. like, And they would ask, like, are there any Muslims in America? 
And I'd be like, yeah, I mean, like, I see mosques pop up all the time. Like, yeah. it's, it's true. But to them, from what they understand of America, they think of America as Christian. But I would have to tell people, like, listen, I don't believe this because my parents believed it. I don't believe this even because I'm an American. I believe this because I didn't for a large part of my life. And Jesus himself revealed the word of God to me yeah. and changed my heart through that personal relationship yeah. that he began. And so the reason I believe this isn't because of my culture. It's not because of my family. It's not because of my, you know, any reason. Yeah. It's actually because of Jesus alone. Yeah. And and that gives people this perspective that like, oh, yeah, like you go to Hindu, you go to Hindu context, you go to a Buddhist context. Yeah, you see pieces of this stuff. But if you really if you see pieces of the gospel, like, oh, wow, yeah, they're doing this really well. They're yeah. doing this really well. But when you boil it all down, yeah. if they don't confess Jesus as Lord yeah. with the knowledge of that being, he is the one and true living God. And every other God is an idol who cannot speak and cannot hear, like Psalm 116 and 117. Um, then even when their actions line up with the gospel, yeah. Jesus said that to the Pharisees. He said, you are like whitewashed tombs whom outwardly look beautiful, but inwardly are dead. And so yeah. even a culture that understands the intrinsic truth that people are worth, you know, giving your time to in loving in outward ways, you know, being hospitable and, and uh, being kind, having patience and long suffering. Even if that exists in a culture, if the impetus for that is not the glory of God, then yeah. it is false and corrupt. Yeah. Even then, but that's the thing, it's redeemable. Yeah. That's the part of it, is that gospel comes into a context that is completely outside of the culture of heaven. Heaven's culture is what God has brought Jesus into this world through the gospel to reveal to us. You know, and that was Jesus' prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Give us this day our daily bread. Yeah. You know, forgive us our debts. It's this recognition that everything in this world is corrupted, except through the truth of God. Yeah. And our culture is not truth, but actually the truth comes from our Maker. Yeah. You know, and the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. And you can't exalt Him or love Him or emphasize Jesus Christ enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, never can. You're right. Like our culture is not true, and really, American Christianity is such an embarrassment right now. Yeah. Are you, are you know what I mean? And there, and just the need to just disassociate ourselves mm -hmm. from that. Yeah. You know, because they always want to try to, you know, everybody within ten sentences wants to try to figure out what box you fit in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Once you're in that box, like, oh, when I met my girlfriend's uh, Bible study group. This, this guy was like, oh, I used to teach at a Word of Faith college. So you're in a little Word of Faith. Explain, explain, explain Word of Faith to me or whatever. And I could already tell he was against it. And I was like, hey, I don't agree with the prosperity preacher movement over here. I told yeah. him about the guy that was knocking at the door seeking bread. Yeah. The reason he got the bread was for, was some, was for somebody else. Yeah. And so I explained yeah. to me Word of Faith is you're seeking bread for somebody else, not seeking bread for yourself. Yeah. And, so, and I had to disassociate myself from the self-seeking branch of word of faith because i had to disassociate myself from all the yeah 
TBN money seeking kind of things because otherwise otherwise once I get that word of faith label, I, I, I lose like yeah. I, I lose his ear. I'm yeah. labeled and I'm done. You know, the same way you can be labeled as Orthodox, or you can be like, oh, you're American, oh, you're Christian, oh, you're that kind of Christian. So you're all of these lies. And yeah, stuff, right. And, and that's what we would say. It's like, like you know what? Like, I, a, a I just love Jesus. From, yeah, that's the thing. You get it all. You lose all labels because Jesus wants us to. Like right. yeah, it's that you know? that fact that that fact. I love Jesus. I'm seeking one thing. Yeah, like. That's him. Like I That was what David said him. as a Jew, you know, in the <laughs> Hebrew context, one thing that I ask. Yeah. And this I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever and rest in the shadow of the Almighty and that I just gaze upon his beauty in his holy temple. Yeah. 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 That that one thing. That one thing is what all of us are after. Yeah. That's the point of the gospel is not to put ourselves in a box to say now I'm different yeah the point of the gospel is to break out of all the boxes that we placed ourselves in through the power of Jesus yeah to bring us life because when we limit ourselves through it's the thunder it's the Lord play there yeah anyway so um just to turn real quick so yeah there's this like Everybody's feeling this, and I've gone to other states, and everybody's feeling it. There's like, and it's not just it's not not some little thing. It's not just a hipster thing, but everybody's feeling like a disassociation with the American church and with the mainstream, you know, big church feel. And everybody's feeling this pull into smaller expressions of the yeah. of Christ. Everybody's yeah. feeling like seeing deep value in discipleship and groups. All, like less, I don't have a number less than 20 less than 12 less than 40 I don't know but smaller context better bigger context bad and, 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 and not bad but not as good yeah so everybody's developing this deep hunger for these smaller expressions I've been seeing it for years and really been stirring in it and stuff uh, me and my friend both left you know like my friend was actually perfected he was, he was one of the main leaders of Living Word and left and we're reaching out and trying to get this small thing going and then um like, I have a group of people that I brought in, he had a group of people he brought in, but there's still only, like, like a dozen of us, if that. And um, and just this last time we got together, we are just sitting in somebody's house, and everybody was sharing their heart, and there's, like, all this, like, prophetic word that came, and everybody was confirming each other and just developing this deep hunger for worship and this deep hunger just to, like, man, we just need to, and whatever type of cell group thing we're launching, we just need to just stop everything and just pray and worship together and just create an atmosphere and just really, and my friend has been praying a lot about trying to find the model for what it is that we're going to do in, in 2020, and we've been praying into this all year, like, God, what's our model? And then the Lord has shown him that there is no model, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then he's really wrestling with that, and then I've been helping him more so you know, trying to do that, and we're we're trying to lead forward, and oh, we don't want to. We're oh, we're not using the word church. We're not trying to create any kind of hierarchical whatever. We, yeah, I like referring to people as forerunners. Like we're just forerunners of whatever is going to happen, and so our heart is going to start this way. And then Cody, uh, Cody Manning called me the other day, and he was like, "Man, I'm." I'm I've just been stirred up this way, and I want to I want to put together like a worship band. And he's like, "Could we use the building one night a week to just get a group of musicians together and have worship and really be serious about having worship, but not try to be like a like 
like a band with a merch table or anything like that. Like not yeah. trying to like publish albums, make money, do merch. Yeah, none yeah, of yeah. That. yeah. None of that. No labels. Just a total. I mean, we we call it a vertically focused. Like yeah. Not horizontally yeah. focused band, yeah, yeah. but a vertically focused band. And he was talking about that. And I really, I feel like in 2020 there's gonna be uh, new worship expressions come 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 out of my building. Yeah. And stuff. Mm. And so. I guess just in a nutshell, I would have shared it with you guys because both I want to invite you guys to those type of expressions, yeah. but also if you guys feel stirred yourself to create a worship expression, you know, small context with with, with the vertical focus. If you yeah. want to do that, then I want to make my building available to you guys if you want to use it for, for yeah. something, you know. Because you, be oh, you've cool. been, you know, yeah. is it, is it exclusive piano. to guys or no? No, no, no. To yeah, Natalie yeah. and Melissa too? Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. The, the, the group that me and David are in is all couples. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. so there's like there's, oh. there's like five of us couples come because I, I, I have a girlfriend now. I don't know if that's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I met her. Yeah. Yeah. So um, oh yeah, that's right. You you have a thing. Yeah. But yeah, so I I, I just wanted to uh, let me run to the bathroom. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be really, that would be really cool, man. Yeah, I'd love to. When do you do that again? Don't know. I'm not sure what you. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. But I was thinking like because so Cody and Grace were one of the couples that originally were stirring with. This idea, and me and you talk about it too. Yeah. You know, we that one time we all met, and what's the lady's name? She's 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 a police officer. Her oh, Evie, Evie and Brandon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Brandon and Evie came, and all that. We yeah, met, everything was oh, great. Yeah, yeah. And so everybody's stirring with this idea. It's not like a yeah, and you know, exclusive revelation. Everybody's it, got it. And yeah, like you said, I really like what you said too about you know everybody seems to even in the different denominations, it's like they all have this. There's something to bring to the mm-hmm. table, like even like you, like we were just talking about being, like, in the context of you going over to the across seas to receive, sort of. Well, you kind of go to a different denomination or a different person to receive, like, like where someone will be really strong in evangelism, where yeah. I'm not quite there or something. Or, you know, I heard the Baptist church is like that, really strong in, mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah, they're strong in one, but we can yeah, and we get the other. And then word of faith too. It's like, like. Men, they're strong in authority and faith, and they have a lot of good there. And there's a lot of good that the word of faith, like movement, has brought. But then, it's sad to me because because that's kind of what I grew up in too. And it's sad to me now that it's associated with this really just perverse prosperity gospel. I hate that thing so much because really, I mean. It's just sowing death into people's lives. Cause like we already talked about, none of that stuff satisfies. It's vanity of vanities. And then you're going to go and like preach about getting rich. It's like, then what do you have at the end of your life? Nothing. Right. Like, and so to me, the difference is if you separate the guy that was knocking on the door seeking bread from his neighbor compared to um, the preaching of mammon. And so mammon means security and finances. A lot of word of faith is... Preaching man and man, preaching, hey, God wants you to be secure and finance yeah. and have all this money. But the real truth is, is that that guy knocked on the door consistently over and over and over again, seeking bread. When the dude answered the door, he said, I have a guest at my house. I don't have any bread to give him. Give me bread so I can feed my guest. Yeah. Right? That's why he got the bread. If, if he would open the door and say, dude, you got the best bread in town. I deserve it. I want some bread. Hook me up, man. Yeah. I want you thinking. He'd be like, you're... Go away, you entitled little brat. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, you go back to bed. Yeah. But it's the fact you're seeking bread for someone else. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, I was thinking about that when you are talking about how... Uh, oh, you know what story I'm talking about in the Bible, right? Yeah. Uh, which, 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 uh, which, oh, sorry, the story we're talking about... 
Oh, you remember the guy? When the man goes to yeah, 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 wakes him up at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah wakes him up at night. He's knocking on the door for bread, right? Yeah. And so the reason he got the bread is because the guy said, because he says, because he said to the guy, I have a guest at my house. I don't have any bread to give him. I need you to give me bread so I can give it to my guest, right? It was never about himself. He might not even eat a single slice of that bread. He was yeah. trying to give it for his guest, right? That's yeah, why he yeah. got it. If the guy would answer the door, and he would have been like, Hey, man, you got bread. Um, I. I, I I want some bread because I'm awesome. You know, hook me up because God loves me. They'd be like, you know, and say you entitled bread. But it's seeking for somebody else. And so you guys were crying out in prayer. And I think that's an example of that because you spent 100 hours crying out in prayer um, for bread for another nation. Yeah. It's, it's not even it's, it's not yeah. the nation you're born in. It's not the nation your kids attend. It's not even a place that you're going to live. You're so the, the bread is totally about someone else. And yeah. I think there's a key there. That, that's that, that's missing. Like yeah, now. yeah, that's good. And then, like, that's one thing too. I noticed in um, you know, the feeding of the five thousand. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if you look at the gospel in Mark. What's really fascinating to me is that is that, um, you, you see that they had all just like they're all with Jesus. They're all weary and they hadn't eaten. Like, I'm pretty sure it says in the gospel of Mark that like, the disciples yeah. hadn't hadn't actually eaten. And then all these people come to him and he's like, "How much bread do you have?" And they have bread for themselves. Yeah, they themselves haven't eaten. And Jesus, like, give it to them. Yeah. Like, it's that. Like, even what you do have, he's like, and then it just multiplies. Yeah. And then they're left with more over than they started with, even. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, the it's not for you. It's for exactly. someone else. And that's what you're... The thing, too, I would just add to that, is that although it isn't like when God says, like, yeah, give you know and you know give your bread give your bread and then like he multiplies it yeah the same thing though god i mean he says like you know even if an evil father knows how to give 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 good gifts to his children how much more does your father in heaven know you know that if you know a son asks for bread would he not give him a stone or if he asked for fish would he give him a snake yeah you know and so I really do believe paired with that giving God first, I really believe before we do anything for him, he wants to encounter our hearts. Yeah. Us personally, he does. He does. Like yeah. I, I'm not discrediting that. I really believe that God wants to encounter our heart because he's doing it in me. And from that place, yeah. then that informs like when I've encountered and received the love of God, yeah. Then it informs how I love other people. Which, which kind of like goes back to that, and I kind of wanted to bring that up earlier when we kept making emphasis on the, the culture aspect of the Eastern religion and how they're very culturally based and very relational. Yeah. Um, but you said, and like you just said, but that flows out of my knowing him. Yeah. And so in this culture, in the Western world, we are more secluded and shut off and everything. But you see that a little bit in aspects of Jesus when he would go up on the mountain by himself to pray. Hmm. Like, where you go. Yes. So, like, I've seen, like, I've personally found a a, a value in almost being, like, because you know where I live. I live, like, 40 minutes from everything. And so then even, even in that, like, just being kind of secluded in a sense, it... Like, who else do I commune with except the Lord or the Holy Spirit or read my Bible or something because I'm not around people. So there is a, a value to that. Mm-hmm. But we have lost the value of the other part, too. Yeah. But that flows. Your relationship with others does flow out of your relationship with him. 
and it flows through the revelation of Jesus Christ, like yeah. you, like you mentioned before. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's really good, though. Hmm. All that. It says safe rooms are opening due to extreme weather threat. Huh. So they're saying the weather's so bad that they're actually having places for people to go, so they don't have to drive home. I've never heard of that before. I haven't either. Doesn't yeah, it doesn't look like that to me. <laughs> like well, I was going to say, if you ever want to, uh, I, I, you know I have an Airbnb now, so. I, oh, yeah. I, uh, both rooms are open. Oh, yeah, okay, so, cool. Yeah, so uh, I have yeah. two empty bedrooms. I, uh, it's on A Street and the next to the university. Oh, cool. And stuff, yeah. yeah. So if you guys ever want to have a free place to crash, it would help you be in town. Yeah, wow. thanks, man. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't cost me anything. So. Nice. Sorry, thanks, you know. man. Wow. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I wanted to, though, before, like, I don't know, before we, I don't know what you guys are doing, but yeah. I wanted to ask you about your, so you're going back, for, yeah. like, in all of that, I wanted, like, know how long, like, what you'll be doing, like, all that stuff, that's just, like, yeah. I don't know, but are you going back for more than two months next time, or? Two years. Two years, so two you're years. staying there two years straight. Yeah. In Turkey? Are you gonna? Well, it, so, <laughs> yeah, so. What I'm going to be doing is after April, uh, I'll be deploying to the field for two years. Yeah. Um, and then I'll have a furlough after two years, but actually after 16 months. But basically after two years, I'll I'll come back and then reevaluate and go back or, or whatever. But for at least the next two years, I'm committed to being on the field. Committed. Okay. Yeah. Does that mean like 24 seven or yeah, I'm living. Come, or I'll be living. Come there. back for like Christmas. No. Just, oh really? Yeah, I'll wow. be living there. Wow. And where is there? I guess that means we'll have to vacation yet? to you then. Yeah, right? yes. I'd have to, have to come to you while we're out. So, yeah. so like, where I'll be, um, first, I feel really, like, married intrinsically. Like, my calling, I feel very connected to Eurasia, to that region of Turkey, um, in the Muslim context there in the Middle East. Just I don't know why, but when I was there, I just felt really married to the vision that's already God's vision for that country. So I feel very connected there, mm-hmm. and I would love to serve there. Um, right now, though, Turkey probably isn't going to be on the table for me personally uh, initially, but not never. But yeah. I've, I've talked to the team leader there about it, and... You know, I it's not off the table for sure, but I think at least right now um, it is. Um, but we have a team in Armenia, which borders Turkey to the east, and uh, we have teams. We have nine teams right now, and we're a small company, so we have like maybe 50 or so missionaries on the field with Axe. So we have um, we have Jordan, we have Turkey, we have. Uh, Armenia, we have Nepal, we have India, we have Hong Kong, Malaysia, um, let's see, Hong Kong, Malaysia, oh, and we're opening a base in northern Iraq. Um, so, of all of those people, like, I have the, the ability that I, I could be deployed to any of those locations, but yeah. it's really on a on a first-person basis with the team leader. So I definitely am praying about that right now, of where God would have me. Um, I'm most seriously considering India and Armenia. Um, and if, you know, whatever location I would be, I would be stationed there for two years. Do you know where in India? Uh, Varanasi. 
yeah, right in the heart of it, right? That's yeah, like it's, the, it's most, the most holy yeah. city of, yeah, yeah. in all of Hinduism. Yeah, I'd like to go there at some point, too. Where is that? Northeastern. Northeastern, Yeah, okay. northeastern India, and it's close to the border of Nepal, actually. Really? Mm-hmm. So I won't be too far from there. We're on a Guwahati Assam. Cool. Um, which I think is like, I mean, actually, on the map, it doesn't look too far. I think it's like an eight-hour drive from Nepal. But, oh, so wow. it's probably not too far yeah, from Varanasi. That yeah. that's really cool though, because then I mean then if I if I because I mean we're being involved with Jessica and everything and what she's trying to set up, we're gonna be making trips back there in mm-hmm. the future. So even while you're if you end if just like, yeah circumstance if you ended up there, I could probably that wouldn't be too far for me to like even come and see you for a while. But yeah, that's uh the do they normally do that like try to hit the most like um, the have I. I don't know if it's the heaviest city, but mo- like, what did you say? Like, cause yeah. Ver- Varanasi is like, uh, yeah, it's the uh, center of, it's of like, like one of the most religion, holy cities yeah. of Hinduism. Do they normally try to deploy in places like that in each um, country? Or? Yeah, I mean, every country is a little bit different just because of every mm-hmm. different religions and things like that. But I wouldn't say that it's there because it is the center of Hinduism. But I would say that we specifically across the board want to raise up churches and plant churches and disciple people in the hardest and darkest places on earth. And so Northern Iraq, that's a war zone. You know, Varanasi, India is like the center of Hinduism. You know, Kathmandu, Nepal is the capital. Armenia, we're in the capital. Istanbul, not the capital, but the cultural center of Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Malaysia, where they are in Malaysia is like the cultural center. Okay. Um, so across the in Nepal, Kathmandu, I think I already said that, but um, and Jordan, Amman, the capital. So like, yeah, the the point is wherever we wherever we go, yeah, is you know, it's it's very strategic. Um, yeah. Lou, I don't know. Do you know Lou Engle? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Lou Engle was one of my teachers. In the school. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. so, and Corey Russell. Do you know Corey Russell? Uh, Have no, you heard of him? Okay, so he's he's a, he's with IHOP, like, okay. and now he's with Upper Room okay. Worship in, in Dallas and Colorado. He's a pastor there. And Alan Hood, I don't know if you've ever heard of Alan Hood. He's with IHOP as well, but we just had some incredible teachers. But it's pretty yeah. cool that they're all there. Those are like four of my favorite people in the earth. So. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Lou Engle was talking about... Um, how Jesus talks about a house that contends uh, when he's talking about there being a strong man uh, and and prayer and intercession. Uh, the It's kind of a long thing, but the disciples are like, um, they're trying to cast out this demon and it doesn't work and they come back to him and he's like, this only comes out through fasting and prayer. Yeah, of course um, that was Lou Engle. Yeah, yeah, and, and so like, <laughs> I have a book by Lou Engle called "The House of Contents." Yes, oh, and yeah, that's, yeah. that's what he was talking about. Is like in India, there are houses of worship that are to false gods, where all day long there are priests that pray and intercede to demons, and yeah, to false gods. Yeah, yeah, and like if we at the same time aren't countering that, then you know it's just a point to think about, like. If they're devoted to their gods as much as that, then why aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So. I know. Yeah, there is like almost this. um, um, I actually was trying to type out this thing and uh, writing about that a little bit too. That like uh, 
the other religions almost look that aspect of them their devotion and stuff is almost desirable yeah. like even even in like Muslim where you see like they're willing to die for their faith even if it's a corrupt like murderous way it's like well just that concept of like they're actually gonna die for what they believe in is very kind of admirable in a sense like where yeah they're more they're more devoted to those things and like you said devoted to worshipping false gods and we need to be counteracting that with the with the same thing and I mean like I kind of made that joke about Luingo but that's kind of because I I feel like I probably get the same thing here because I really, like, I really enjoy, like, fasting and stuff, too, and prayer and everything. But I like that he brings that to the table. That's kind of lost a little bit, that intercession and really that yeah. also. And Yeah. But he's got a good grip on it, too. Oh, yeah. That's one thing, personally, I've noticed is that you can easily get into a, a works type thing or something with that. But that's really cool, man, that you're going to do that so what was um when do you have to decide all that by well i'm talking to team leaders right now okay. uh, but sometime before april pretty much but i'm trying to okay. nail it down as fast as i can so if you could i just love to ask if you could pray with me and that because yeah. i'm really yeah i was gonna ask you before you leave too if you could pray for me yeah i just you're soulful and so rich and you've got like this amazing you've always i mean i've always kind of seen that you've just got this amazing like hunger and love for god that's amazing amazing like um anointing like he's put on you specifically and and in that too i don't know just you've really always kind of overflowed with that just like that just that love for god and for jesus that just flows out of you radiates it's that glow you know i don't know i'll do i can i I, I say the exact same thing when I think about you. I say Thanks, that. Man. I mean, Thanks. I really like God has your heart, and you you're convinced, unwavering, convinced of of His goodness. Like the verse I'm thinking of is, you know, that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Like you are convinced of His goodness. And you're convinced of it in such a way that, like, you don't care if it is unpopular. You don't care if it's uh, to the point of being criticized by your own family, to the point of being criticized and misunderstood. Um, because, not because of your own ability to get to God, but because you've relinquished your hold on trying to understand it yourself, but putting yourself in a place of saying, God, you're my strength, you're my joy, you're my fortress. And just you're, you hold on to the promises of God. Like, man, I mean, you're just an example to me of what it means to hold on to the promises of God. You know? You too, man. I'm glad, like, that's what I mean. I was so excited about this conversation because you're really influential and inspirational to me. And all, I mean, all of us. I think everybody needs to, like, well, everybody needs to follow Christ. But, you know. We stir, we all yeah. stir each other up, and just to have sit down. I mean, it's been such a fulfilling and rich conversation yeah. and everything. But I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm, you leave the end of April? Yeah. What's well, I leave kind of so until the middle of February. I'll be in Tennessee. I'll be in Chattanooga, and then from February until the end of March, I will be in Ohio. 
and this whole time I'm basically fundraising to be able to go back to the field and deploy. Um, and my goal is to be fully funded by the end of March. Mm -hmm. And then April, the whole month of April, yeah. I'll be in Colorado for one final training at the Axe Center base yeah. to onboard to the field. And then after April, it's at the discretion of the team leader, but anytime after April, I'll deploy. Okay. Yeah. So what's fully funded? How much? Yeah, so to live on the field full-time for two years, it's going to cost me uh, $3,600 a month to live on the field. Okay. And then... So you have to raise that much money? Mm -hmm. So in monthly support, people that would partner with me... Um, oh, I see. So you're getting support month by month. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. how are you raising that much money? So $3,600 a month is like, you yeah. know, before I leave, people have said like... I'll give, I'll, I'll give 20, you $20 yeah. a month or $40 mm -hmm. a month. And then also just the cost to deploy, you know, to buy the one-way ticket, to buy, mm -hmm. um, you know, Ooh, my passport, my visas. Yeah. Ooh. Those things, it will cost me. And what I'm raising on top of those monthly donors is the one-time cost, which will cost me about $12,000 yeah. to get to the field. Yeah. Um, and that's just, you know, not things that will recur mm -hmm. monthly amounts, but yeah. they'll just be amounts that, you know cost me one time basically yeah yeah that's really cool do people give to your paypal um actually let me let me you got you. stuff okay cool awesome so it's just like a little prayer oh, nice. yeah, i love this i love the that's that's pike's peak too i was in colorado springs nice just cool but if you, yeah, the way that you give, the best way is to give through Axe. Um, okay. And you go to their website and you just, you can give online or you can give it the check, mail it in. Cool. But, uh. I like that you used it. I mean, I don't know. That is that you said one way ticket. That is like, <laughs> I, I like that though. And I don't, I, I mean, as much as we kind of criticize the, the Western culture of the church, like I, there's a lot of wrong with it, but there's a lot of good mm -hmm. here too. But that's one thing. Another thing, like I feel like, is um, that that mindset. I guess of like, I call it a martyr mindset. I think is just lost. And even that that concept of a one way ticket. Like I feel like, like when I went to India, that's the only place I've ever been out of this country. Like I never, mm, wow. like, you know, or, and I've never even done anything or any mission trip. But when I was going, I just went kind of with that mindset, like. It, could be a chance I could never come back and I think everybody that's gonna go on a mission trip should have that in the back of their head like not maybe not necessarily go with that intention but I guess the reason I had that too is because my cousin Kelsey I don't know if you heard about her like going to Africa she went there to do missions work and then she found these girls there these orphan girls that she really wanted adopted and so now she's been there for nine years mm. like trying to adopt these girls and it's like she was she should have came back years ago mm. but it's like what? you don't necessarily know like you, you have to be open to what mm -hmm. god wants and stuff yeah and so that 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 uh term or concept of this could be a one-way ticket kind of mm -hmm. which I, I guess maybe not maybe isn't for everyone but i think it should be people should somewhat be aware of that i guess like you you never know if god's directing your life you never really know if he's Sometimes he likes to do that. Take your route you're not comfortable with or familiar with or whatever. That's, but That's my life for sure <laughs> right now at least. It's, it's been 
It sounds fun though, and it's, it's wild and it's fulfilling. I'd and you get I wouldn't come want to back be anywhere else, yeah. even when I consider all the hardship of it. Like, yeah, I'm not even gonna try to quit. The verse I'm thinking of is Paul when he's like, "I've considered it all a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, yeah. for whose sake I have willingly lost everything." Yeah, like. I consider it rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Yeah. That, when that is like, how can you get there? It's like, I think about that all the time. It's like, how can I get to that place? And the thing is, I can't. Yeah. I will never be able to work my way into working out how glorious and worthy Jesus is in my own reckoning and understanding Mm -hmm. because I'm intrinsically unable to do that. But Paul understood that it took the revelation of Jesus. Like I keep saying, it, it takes heaven. And yeah. God isn't far or distant or hides himself. Yeah. He delights in showing mercy. So, yeah. you know. Yeah, that, like I would I'd suffer the loss of all things. Like in God's love. So like mm-hmm. in that, I would give it all for love. Because love gives it all. Like sort yeah. of thing. And so like if I'm... Yeah, if I'm going to commune with love and make myself love in order to know love more, love gives it all. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and the I more think, I can give up of myself, the more I can have of him. And yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just... I, I, and I think he's... Weird. When we see him, and, like, when God gives us eyes to see him rightly, yeah. I think all we'll want to do is say how much like yeah i heard it said this way like when you have a if you had a kid if you had a son at christmas time a parent that loves their children doesn't say like you know like what's the least amount of money that i can spend on my kid all that they want to do is like do i know but i think i think of a beautiful picture is like most parents say like i know this is a little more than i wanted to spend yeah i love my kid yeah you know and that it's like, yeah. when we see Jesus that way, it's like, what's the least amount that I can do? But I think Jesus wants us to really see him because that was his prayer to God. My desire is that they would be with me to see my glory. And Jesus when, I think when we see him and we see how worthy he is, all we'll want to do is say, like, I know this is more expensive than I thought. And I know it's more costly than I was willing. But honestly, like, how could I do anything but give him? everything for him yeah you know yeah yeah. god doesn't want us to be robots like, yeah and you even know? kind of going back to him like when you to touch when you might touched on the prosperity gospel and stuff and we talked about that a little bit like this god he doesn't he like if he wants to prosper your journey and not your pocketbook and so like like just like sitting here having this conversation when you're like looking at you know you were like overflowing but you've been overflowing because you've been willing to give so much and empty so it's like Mm -hmm. through your poverty he's filled you up to like riches yeah i know you're just like the inheritance of the saints like that's what it's Mm -hmm. the riches of christ yeah the riches of christ you know but yeah Yeah. that's and that's where the true prosperity is and the true yeah but you gotta head out i probably yeah
I'm probably gonna add Bro, a minute too. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we got to talk. I'm gonna end this yeah. thing. Is it? Hey, it's still going. Jeez. Oh my gosh, we've been talking for like two hours. I know. How do I do this? I don't want to mess it up. Press-